0: morning so good to see you in the house of the lord today thank all of you for coming do you enjoy that worship can you say wow wow oh it was just energizing and we thank god for his blessings uh you can't sing that down you can't pray it down it god sovereignly allows us to enjoy his blessings as we worship him and, you know, we worship him whether we feel like it or not, but it's so nice when, when God begins to move and just pour his spirit out, and we're so thankful. I have not forgotten <clears throat> that we have been on the study for on relationships for uh, several months, but today I would like to switch gears a little bit, and uh, I'd like to ask you, if you would, to look at uh, Acts chapter 8. <clears throat> Acts chapter 8. As most of you know, uh, the book of Acts is uh, written by uh, uh, the physician Luke. Luke wrote the book of Luke, and then he writes the, the book of Acts. And if you get the book of Luke and the book of Acts, someone said Paul wrote most of the New Testament. He did not. Now, he wrote more chapters in the New Testament. But when you look at the content of Luke and the content of Acts, Luke wrote more of the New Testament than anyone. And so uh, he was a pro- prolific writer. He was a physician. He was just an outstanding person. And uh, you, you just feel like as you read the book of Acts that we're still hopefully living in that book. And uh, as Brother Michael just said, we've just begun a new study on the book of Acts on Wednesday night. You can't go wrong by coming here on Wednesday night, bringing your Bible, bringing your notepad, bringing a pencil or pen, and taking notes as Brother Dan, Brother Larry, and Brother Todd expounds on this great book. And we are going to go through the whole book now, it's, there, there are 10 uh, uh, lessons in, uh, in this series. And so we invite you to be here on Wednesday night, no matter what you have to do. I know some may have to work, but if you possibly, possibly can, come on Wednesday night. Come praying and certainly believe in God. And they've allowed me to start off this Sunday morning, Brother Dan began it, the, the, the study last Wednesday night with the first chapter of Acts, but I want to look at at Acts also because I think it's it's current. I think it's what's happening. You know, you hear people, what's happening? What's happening? You hear, especially young people, what's happening? Well, let me tell you what's happening. The book of Acts is what's happening, and I want you to uh, open your Bibles, if you will, and let's look at chapter 8. Now, keep in mind that in chapter uh, chapter 7, at the end of chapter 7, the deacon Stephen has been stoned. He's, he's, uh, he's been killed, and what a terrible, terrible death. And uh, I have, Christian, uh, for beginning with uh, certainly verse 5 in chapter 8, Uh, But I want to go back just a little bit, and I'll read uh, the beginning of chapter 8. But let's look, if you will, first of all, at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And I think this verse covers practically all the book of Acts. And that's the reason I want to read verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. What, What will you be? witnesses every person that receives the spirit of god and the power of god shall be witnesses and here jesus he's saying this if you had a red letter bible it would be in red letters because it says here witnesses to me or unto me as the uh the amplified would say in jerusalem in judea in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the world. So first of all, Jerusalem. And we know this is what has happened in Jerusalem. And the disciples, they simply stayed in Jerusalem, but after the stoning of Stephen and the great persecution started, the church was scattered all over and they just didn't go and have picnics and go to work somewhere. They preached or taught the message, the word of God. But you shall be witnesses unto me in uh, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria. And most of us know or we know of the hatred and uh, the feeling that the Jews had for the Samaritans, and that's a long story. I won't get into it this morning. Why they hated the Samaritans so, but then after Samaria, you shall be witnesses unto me in all the uh, in all the uh, world. I, I think that the eighth chapter of the book of First, uh, or the eighth verse rather of the first chapter of Acts. I think that simply is the theme of Acts. And I want us to keep that in mind as we study on Sunday morning and especially as we study on, uh, Wednesday night. Now, uh, I'm going to back up to the first verse of chapter eight. We don't have it, I don't think, on the screen, but we'll get, we'll catch it at verse five. Now, Saul was consenting to his death. Whose death? Stephen. At that time, a great Persecution arose against the church which was at Jerusalem and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his barrel and made great lamentation over him. They really, really loved this man. Now look at verse 3. As for Saul, he made havoc. That's like a wild boar going through Jerusalem and tearing and killing and maiming the people there. Saul made havoc. That word havoc means that of the church entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Where do they go? They went everywhere. They went everywhere. At that time, they were scattered. They launched out to teach and preach the word of God. Now, let's go at verse with verse five. Then Philip. Now, I want to tell you about Philip a little bit because it's important. Philip was uh, not an was not a, a a a disciple. He was one of the deacons, the seven deacons that were set in the church. This Philip was one of those deacons. Then Philip went down to the city of what? Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing. They heard the word and what did they see? The miracles which he did for unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Father, we can't do anything without you. We need you. God, I pray your blessings upon the reading of your word. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to understand what you're saying to us today. And we believe you're blessed in Christ's name. Amen. Now, Philip goes to Samaria. The Jews, as I said, were very prejudiced against these people. They were proselytes. They they were outcasts. And you remember when Jesus went in the uh, in, in the book of John where he went through Samaria and he witnessed to a woman at Samaria. Well, here, this is it right here. This is the same place. This is Samaria. Now, if you don't have an outline of the sermon, please raise your hand. I want everyone to have an outline because I'm going to read a little bit. And Brother Stephen, make sure you get one. Notice as we begin... To, to look here. In these chapters, chapters 6, or chapters 8 through 12, a period of about 12 years went by as a church was enlarged. And I believe that's the call that God has placed upon all of us. It's not just the pastor. It's not just the preachers. It's not just the elders or the deacons or the leaders in the church. It is for every one of us to put forth an effort to enlarge the church. That means people are saved, they're added to the church, and I think the church needs to grow. Amen. I think we need to do things to enlarge the church. The outreach of the church stretched unto Judea and even unto the region of the once hated Samaritans. God was at work. Walls of prejudice were crumbling. The Holy Spirit empowered believers as the gospel of Jesus spread all over the land. After the martyrdom of Stephen, Philip preached in Samaria with great success. He then leads the Ethiopian eunuch to Christ. So here's Revival. He's filling up probably every, every auditorium or whatever. He's going from house to house. He's ministering. People are being saved. People are being delivered. People are being healed. Demonic powers are being cast out. And there is a great joy in this city because that God is moving and pouring out and manifesting his power. That needs to happen today. Oh, God. Give us a church that's like Acts. Give us, dear God, that kind of manifestation, if you will. Notice Roman numeral number one, Philip preaches in Samaria. Now, the good news, the gospel is moving from Jerusalem, Judea, over to this place called Samaria, it's beginning to expand. And that's the reason this eighth chapter of the book of Acts is so important is because this is where it's moving from Jerusalem, Judea, and reaching out to the, the world, the unsaved, the unreached. And it, it is a wonderful time. Upon hearing the message about Christ and seeing the miracles which he did, the people believed. They accepted the truth. Now, as I said earlier, Jesus had already been to Samaria and had ministered, and the woman that was saved and accepted Christ had gone down through the city, and and she said, come see a man that's told me all things. So the groundwork had already been laid for this great revival that Deacon Philip, and later he's called Philip the evangelist. I think he's the first one, maybe the only one in the New Testament that's called an evangelist. So this great outpouring of the Spirit takes place. Now notice verses 14 through 17 of the same chapter. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had what? Received. Now, I can preach to you today. I can tell you about the Scripture today. I can read the Bible to you. I can tell you the truth. But unless you receive, it's not going to do you any good. You've got to be open to the Scripture. And it says when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the Word of God, they sent Peter and John to, the, to them who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now, if you study this chapter, and I've lived in it for the last big while. I've just lived, I've camped out in chapter 8 of Acts, and I love it. And when, when you when you hear about this revival, and when they had believed, they sent John I mean, sent Peter and John down from Jerusalem, these two uh disciples of the Lord, these two apostles, and they're going to do something here in Samaria. And they're going to lay hands upon them, and they're going to receive the Holy Spirit. You say, well, pastor, they were not born again. Oh, yes, they were. They were not only born again, they were already baptized in water. So when you study the book of Acts and you combine chapter 19 of the book of Acts with chapter 8, you understand what's happening here. It's very clear that Peter and John came down. These, they, they already had the experience of salvation. They have already been baptized in water in Jesus' name. But here comes these two other apostles, and they had this gathering, lay hands upon them, and they received the Holy Spirit. What they receive is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They receive, And if you studied the book of, I mean, if you studied the 19th chapter, it says, and they spake in tongues. They spake in tongues. It doesn't say it here. We assume that that was a manifestation of a Lord here in this 8th chapter. For as yet he, speaking of the Holy Spirit, verse 16 of 8, had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. They're talking about and it's referring to the spirit baptism and the supernatural gifts that goes along with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You said, Pastor, are you speaking of another experience other than salvation? Yes. It is subsequent to receiving Christ as your personal Savior. And it's taught throughout the New Testament, not just in Acts, but the Apostle Paul talks about it uh, in in 1 Corinthians and, and in other places. This receiving of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and certainly the gifts of The Spirit. And what is so important is the fact that the church needs this experience for evangelism. Someone put it this way if evangelizing the lost were up to our abilities, it would be hopeless. But thankful, evangelism depends on our sovereign God working through. Your and my obedience. Amen. God directs us. And that's going to lead us into the next phase of this message with Philip and the eunuch, the Ethiopian eunuch. So all believers should receive this wonderful outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You say, well, preacher, that ceased with the early church. Uh Uh-uh. There is nowhere, scripturally, I encourage you to study, there is nowhere in the scripture that this experience stopped with the disciples and the early church. And so, what a wonderful happening. Can you imagine, Philip? Can you imagine this great evangelist? This deacon, by the way? Can you imagine this great outpouring, people receiving the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of the the Lord, and people are being delivered and set free. And then all of a sudden, an angel visits Philip and speaks to him. Notice what it says, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. Somehow I think maybe he might have scratched his head and said, Lord, you sure this is you. I'm in a great revival. The great outpouring of the Holy Spirit is happening. People being saved, right and left, delivered, and, and just great revival. And here, this angel comes to me and tells me to go to a desert place. I'm here to tell you this church this morning is no desert place because the water's flowing. The anointing is here. The power of God is here. You see, I can't see it. You can't see it in a natural You can't even feel it in the natural. The Holy Spirit just, he gives you that unction. But he tells him to go down to this desert. So he arose. Just like that. He doesn't say, wait a minute, God. He doesn't question God. He doesn't hesitate. The Bible says, and he arose and he went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch, of great authority under Candace, the queen of, e- of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasurer, treasury. Now, he probably had a lot of people with him. He was not traveling in this chariot by himself. He was an important man. He was no doubt a very wealthy man. He had traveled, listen to this, from Ethiopia. you know how many miles that he had traveled in that chariot? Not in a Cadillac. Not in a car. Not in a helicopter. Not in a jet. He had traveled over 1,500 miles from the northeast side of Africa all the way to Jerusalem. That's a wow. I mean, it, it, is, it is amazing. This story is just amazing to me. And had come to Jerusalem to worship. That's why he came. Was returning. He was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Now, back then, they, when they read, they read out loud. It was a custom to read out loud. And so here he is. He's been to Jerusalem to worship. Who's he worshiping? He is worshiping the Jews' God. Because if you're going to worship God, you had to go to Jerusalem. Even uh, Daniel, in Daniel, when he prayed, being in Babylon, he opened the window toward Jerusalem. He couldn't go back because he was in bondage or he was in captivity. But if you were going to go, if you're going to worship the God of the Jews, And practice Judaism, you had to go to Jerusalem. So he travels over 1500 miles, goes to Jerusalem to worship God, and he's on his way back. Then the Spirit said to Philip, verse 29, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? If I ask you this morning, listen to me, do you understand what I'm saying today? Do you understand the scripture? Do you understand what God is saying this morning? Are we counting the blocks on the walls? Are we really listening and wanting to know God speak to me? God speak. Speak to me. And he said, the Ethiopian, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. This is one of the most important parts, I believe, of this sermon. And the fact that this wealthy Ethiopian eunuch in charge of all the money of a country, that he would look at Philip And say to him, I don't have it all together. I don't understand. I'm not trying to be mean this morning. I I really am not. But I wonder how many of us, when the altar call is given, if we would really be honest and say to God, God, I don't have it all together. No, I don't understand it all. Lord, I have needs. What if we all, what if this whole congregation, what if our nation today would look to God and say, God, I don't have it together. I need you. What if we cried out to Him and say, Father, I need you today. There's problems in my life. I have shortcomings. I have failed you. On our Friday night, it's a great time to come and pray, Friday night at 7 o'clock. On our Friday night, one of the steps that we take is confess. How many are willing to confess? No, I don't understand. But we act like we've got our life together. I don't want nobody to know I have a need. But this, this Ethiopian said, yeah, I don't understand. How can I understand and let somebody teach me? What if we all would be honest with God today and say, Lord, I need you? What do we hit this altar, come to this altar, weep before God and say, God, I need you. And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before the shear is silent. So he opened not his mouth. Now this is reading from the book of Isaiah chapter 53. They didn't have chapters back then, but he was reading from chapter 53. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life was taken from him. And this is speaking of none other than Jesus Christ that was crucified by the Jews, buried... And rose again the third day. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this of, say of himself or some other person? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture preached unto him. What? Jesus. You can't teach the scripture unless you know the scripture. You can't teach the gospel unless you know the gospel. You can't witness to someone else about the word of God unless you know the word of God. Philip knew what it meant. He knew what to say to him. He opened his mouth and talked to him about Jesus. Now, let me me tell you what happened. I I didn't put all this down because I didn't want just to read and read and read. Philip began to teach this Ethiopian about Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know where this eunuch, by the way, he couldn't worship in in the temple in Jerusalem. He was maimed. He couldn't worship. He came all the way, 1,500 miles, and because he was a Gentile, And because he was maimed, being a eunuch, he couldn't even go in to the temple and worship. And yet he wanted, he had such a desire to worship God. I pray when we come to church that we would have such a desire to worship God. The first note on the the keyboard, we'd just begin to worship. I pray as we're riding down the highway that we would worship God. I pray as we are in our homes and houses that we would worship God. I pray that we would take advantage of all that God has done and doing for us and worship Him. He desires, He told, Jesus said, God seeks people to worship Him. You say, Pastor, that's pretty silly stuff, isn't it? Not really. We're not worshiping a dead God. We're worshiping a God that lived, Jesus lived. We're worshiping a God that they mutilated and bruised and beat and crucified. We're worshiping a God that was put in a tomb. And on the third day, He rose again and He lives today. You believe all that stuff? Uh Uh-huh. Just as sure as we're sitting in this place today, Jesus Christ is alive and well. He ain't dead, he ain't dead, and that's the reason we worship. If he was dead, what's the need we raise our hands? Why do we sing? Why do we lift our voices? But he's alive, and he desires that we worship him. And they worshiped, and they worshiped. Philip explained to this man about Jesus. They were in a desert. I'd like for you to read, if you would take time this, this week to read chapter 8. Read it with several translations. It's, it's interesting. It is very interesting. They came to a body of water here in a desert. And the Ethiopian looked to Philip and said, What hinders me from being baptized? Now, I don't know where he heard that. Philip might might have told him as he was talking about Jesus, as He was relaying a message to him, you know, they, no telling how long they rode in His chariot together, and and He just took He just took time, He just took time to minister to him. I wonder how long has it been since we have heard from God to go witness to someone. Philip was so eager. To tell this man about Jesus, he ran. How long has it been since we've run? I don't feel like going out tonight. I'm going to sit home and watch television. I don't want to go hear this. Philip was enthusiastic about relaying the message of the gospel to this Ethiopian man. He ran in the desert, in the heat. Last week we were in Phoenix. It was 115 degrees. Where he was running, it was probably 120. Someone told me, I think, Matt just told me about some folks over in Iraq or somewhere in, in the Middle East. 120 degrees. And he's running. What are you running for? Who are you running from? I ain't, I ain't running from nobody. I'm running to something. It's time for the church to run to something, not from something. But he said, what hinders me from being baptized? Baptized. Now, uh, it, it's important for us to understand it that, that God Almighty is speaking, and God is showing in some things. And He said, "Nothing if you believe." Verse thirty-seven. Can you put up verse thirty-seven uh, on, on on the uh, on the screen, please? Uh, nothing. He wanted to be he wanted to be baptized in water. Then Philip said, now, early manuscripts leaves this out. If you read certain translations, especially the message. The message doesn't even mention this. Uh, But later transcripts puts this. This verse is so important. Look at what it says. Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. All you're going to do is believe. I mean, you don't go down a wet center and come up a dry, uh, go down a dry center and come up a wet center. You go down a Christian and come up a Christian. You're baptized in water and that follows salvation, water baptism. And he answered and said, this is what the Ethiopian said. I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still and both Philip and the eunuch, Philip sprinkled him. No, don't. I'm sorry. I read it wrong. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Hallelujah. It's time that the church sees more baptisms in the water. Can we go on with some more scripture? You got some more there? That's, that's it. Too good. to start. Now, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. So that the eunuch saw him no more and he went on his way rejoicing. That's one of the most amazing verses to me. I mean, if I'm standing talking to somebody and they disappear, I'm going to look around and find them if I can. I'm going to stand there astonished. I'm going to say, well, maybe I was dreaming. Maybe I was dreaming. You have any miles the Holy Spirit took Philip away? He took the Holy Spirit... Took Philip 30 miles away kind of like the rapture Woo! snatched him up we're gonna be walking around here one day and I don't believe it's gonna be long the Holy Ghost is gonna snatch us up and we're gonna be with Jesus Christ the Holy Spirit snatched him up there he goes where is he at I don't know I don't know why it doesn't say more about that. There's so much in this chapter that Luke does not talk about. I don't know why. But I believe there was so much power there. Well, first place, everything about this is sovereign. Angel speaks to, you know, it started with a miracle. It ends with a miracle. Angel speaks to Philip and says, go here. He runs along, gets beside of this guy. Can you imagine what the eunuch is thinking? What's this guy doing running here? And he's got guards around him. He's got all kind of people around him guarding him. How did Philip get that close to him? He even talked to him. That's another miracle. I mean, miracle after miracle after miracle. He invites him to come into the chariot. They talk. He goes down and he baptizes him. And all of a sudden, he's gone. Doesn't say the Ethiopian was amazed. Doesn't say what he did. I believe that everything, I believe he knew. There was something in that eunuch's heart that knew this was God. Oh God. So be it. Let's go on. He's gone. God took him. So, don't know where he's at. But he goes down to Caesarea. And if you read the latter part of the book of Acts, you'll find that that's where his home was or where he built his house. He stayed there. He birthed four daughters, Philip did, and they all became preachers. Ladies, hallelujah. You're important. And let me tell you something. When they say that women can't carry the gospel, they're too late for me. God calls women just like he calls men. Women are not secondary to men. Now, we all have our place. All of us have our place, and and that's dealt with throughout the New Testament. But this man was a, a powerful, powerful man of God, Philip. Here he is, revival in Samaria. Here he is speaking to a man that's black, that is from Africa, that's powerful, that has money. Now, I don't know if that would have been today and some preachers. They would have said, now, I got a crowd here in Samaria. I got things going my way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise me some money. I'm going to have the best stallions and horses and the chariots anywhere. And God, you're calling me to go to the desert to speak to one person, what's going on? But if they'd gone some preachers today, if they'd gone and gotten there and found out he was a treasurer, oh God, I know why you sent me here. He's loaded. I, I, I'm going to ask him to buy me a jet. Because when I finish baptizing him, I'm going to take off. Philip said, I don't need a jet. <laughs> Woo! How many of you know you don't need a jet? Amen. All you need is the follow of the Lord. He may not snatch you away, but he'll direct you and he'll put you where he wants you to be. I believe with all of my heart that we've got some Phillips in this meeting this morning.